Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, March 29th, 2020 called Behold the Lamb Who Heals Our Diseases, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 103, verse 3, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. With these words of promise, may God's grace and his mercy and his peace be yours in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So our theme for this year is, uh, is behold, I mean, for, for the whole year is fixing our eyes on Jesus, a 2020 vision from Hebrews chapter 12. If you're a member of Grace, you know this. We're uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And yet it applies so appropriately here into the season of Lent because it goes on to say, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And so in this Lenten season, we have chosen to pick the term, behold the Lamb of God. So pay attention, look at the Lamb of God. You know, we planned these sermons and these themes in October, at the, in the end of October. And how appropriate it is that here we are in the Sunday before Palm Sunday, fifth Sunday in Lent, and today we're talking about behold the Lamb of God who heals our diseases. And who could see it coming in October? Um, but it's so appropriate that as we face uh, COVID-19 and all the actions that our leaders are taking on our behalf, all the cautions and precautions and safety measures that we're taking, um, what a blessing that we have a word from God to be able to focus in uh, that we might see the Lamb most clearly. I, on a personal note, I'm just so delighted that we're here uh, and not in my home, uh, in our basement somewhere. Um, we would have done it because um, we would have done it. In order to bring the word faithfully to, uh, to you and to the world, we, we, would, we would not want to abdicate that responsibility. But if you're in our basement or in our home, I think it's, it takes your eyes off of the Lamb of God more easily. And so to hear in this place that's familiar to us, um, we're very, very grateful for the opportunity to be able to, to do that here. So if you're following along on the outline, um, you're really welcome to kind of um, to, to keep notes and keep track. We're looking at Psalm 103, not the whole psalm. It's a beautiful psalm, and it has beautiful things about forgiveness. As a father has compassion on his children, you know, as far as east is from the west. But we're focusing in on the first uh, few verses you know, as this thing has evolved and kind of broken on our, on our culture and, and here at Grace, um, this large extensive ministry that's here with 500 students in school of all ages and our, our international students have now had to, had to travel home um, and our, our, everything from early childhood is unable to continue and our teachers are frantically, plan, plan, not frantically, that's the wrong say, they're urgently um, and earnestly planning for online education and how to do that at a very high level. They've just been champions, and we're excited about that. But I love our leadership team at the school, Robert and Hannah and Anne. They're just so dynamite because there are moments in the course of a school year, and especially even in this year with this time, uh, that can be distressing and, and disheartening for a team. Um, in the course of a school year, the first few days are not always easy. You get together in August, you've been on vacation, you've been having time, and then all of a sudden, wham, you know, you got to be together and the schedule kicks in. 
And Anne and Robert and Hannah are always wonderful at lightening the mood and making it easy to be together and enjoying our time together. Then you might get into the January, one of the worst months in school. It's just so long and it's so hard in February. And then, of course, then this happens. And so what a neat experience it was because for three, two or three days, they had mandatory meetings where we had to process this all with the whole team. And you know, there's 50 people, 60 people sitting here between church and school. And we're dealing with some rather uh, unknowns and some fairly grave concerns. And how do we continue to do what God's called us to do and serve our families and our, our students? And Robert and Hannah and Ann were great. They, it, they were serious. Um, they were pointed, but you can always count on them to lighten the mood. Whether it's shooting off a confetti cannon or pulling a prank on somebody or playing some crazy music and making you all get up and do some activity you didn't want to do five minutes before and then now you do it and you love it. and They do something to just make the mood uh, lighter. And so I love this about Psalm 103 because he talks about our diseases who forgives our sins and heals us from all our diseases, but he doesn't begin that way. He doesn't begin that way. And so it's time to lighten the mood just a little bit. There's a story I've told that uh, that some of you have heard me tell before. And so for some of you tuning in, this may be your first time hearing it, but when I was a, a vicar, an intern in Oregon, the very first graveside service I did, funeral and graveside, uh, was for Rosalie uh, Glenn. And Rosalie had a large extended family, grandkids and great-grandkids. It's probably 60 or 70 of us. Where it's probably two or three times that many at the church. And then we, we went to the graveside. And the graveside, the, the cemetery plot that she had was a, a little country church. And it was 45 minutes away from where we did the service. So we did the graveside there. They gave you a map and they loaded up uh, the casket and the hearse took off and then we were to meet them there. It was a beautiful, beautiful June day. So we all drove there. It's about a 45-minute drive. And we get there, and there's about 50 or 60 of us, all ages, lots of kids. And they were all dressed, you know, really formally, really nicely. And it was sunny and 70 degrees, and it was gorgeous. And the grass had just been cut. And so it's a somber moment. Grandma, great-grandpa has, has passed away. And so we're... Um, so we're um, um, gathered around, and, and so it's a kind of a formal situation. And, um, and so the parents are all kind of going, okay, um, it'd be great if you could uh, not have the volume up on your phone right now, and if you could not have it ring and things like that, and if we can pay attention and be respectful and reverent, that would be great. And so they wait. And so 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes the hearse is nowhere to be seen. And so here's these parents trying to keep these kids, and they're looking around going, there's trees to climb in, and there's rocks to hide behind, and games to play. And after about 15 minutes, the parents gave up, and the kids just played like crazy. And they were sweaty, and their shirts are out, and they got grass stains, and their bruises, and they're fighting and rolling and playing and laughing. And it was so interesting um, because what I took away from that is when the hearse finally showed up after 45 minutes, the kids got it right. Here's the first point in your outline. So if you're taking notes in your outline, the very first point in your outline is this. There is never a time when it's wrong to praise God. 
Now, before English teachers go crazy on me with grammar, please understand, I, I know I used a double negative there. Uh, it's never wrong to praise God. I could have said it, it's always right to praise God. But in this time where it's so easy to become negative, it's so easy to become downheartened, and there are moments like that, there is never a time when it's wrong to praise God. Here's how the psalmist begins this psalm that talks about healing us from sin and disease. He starts by saying, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Now, the tag on this is how you praise him might matter. Being false or fakey, pretending, go ahead and fill in the blank, how you praise him might matter. And so, you know, paying attention to what we're doing and being sensitive to that is really critical. And so as we go along, um, you know, the methodology that we use, it's not all Skittles and rainbows all the time. It's not always easy to just do or say whatever you, you do or it comes off fakey. And so we want to be genuine. But I, got, I found a little clip that I think is just highly appropriate at this point because how you talk about things matters in a time sometimes of stress and so forth. So let's, uh, I want, let's fire up this uh, Tim Hawkins clip. It's just a little over a minute long. And I think you'll get a kick out of it. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. People come in on Sunday. How you doing? Nice to see you all. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. You're going to love it here. We just love people. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. We don't care. We don't judge you. We just love. You sit back and whatever questions you have, you let us know. We'll let you know whatever we can do for you, okay? Y'all newly married? You got four kids? Four kids. That is amazing. God love. We love kids here. Kids are like a little gift from God is what they are. They are just wonderful little creatures that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are y'all from? Arkansas? Okay. There's some mints in the basket. Grab a handful, you circus freaks. Go ahead. So how you do, how you might uh, reveal your praise and live that out might be one way or another. The irony of that, of that video or of that, of that sketch from Tim Hawkins is that it's from years ago. Today, having two great big tubs of hand sanitizer at your front doors actually says, says a wonderful thing in the moment that we're in. It talks about being sensitive. But how we praise him matters. And so judging the manner in which a person praises God it can be everything from a quiet reflection to tears to joy and jumping and dancing and singing. It can be any of those things. So question two or point two in our outline then is, so how do we praise God in this moment? In this moment in which if you listen to the news, it is just an onslaught, a constant onslaught of the horrors that are before us. And, and I mean, I don't think anyone should be defiant but I think everyone should be able to filter through these things rationally and reasonably. It would be wonderful to be able to get a regular and updated and cogent, thoughtful report. And I know that people are, are trying to do so, but it seems to descend so quickly into despair and discouragement. And, of course, uh, news outlets have to find uh, the most sensational uh, things. And so... It's easy to wonder, how can I possibly praise God 
in this season, in this moment. Here's what the psalmist says. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The psalmist uses the word all a lot. All my inmost being. All his benefits. So, you know, I don't get to do this here at church very often, because if I could... It would be, you know, with a, when there's 300 people at a service, it's hard to say, turn to your neighbor, turn as a family grouping, and take the next three minutes and start writing down your blessings. But I can tell you to do this if you're at home. You can do it now. You can do it through the rest of the sermon. See, you can't offend me by sitting there and writing it or getting up and leaving the room. You can't offend me. How well I know. But you can write your blessings. You can count them. You can remember them. Do it at lunch or do it at dinner. Even do it right now. Start typing them down. Send them in to us on comment cards, on comments on YouTube. What are the... I mean it, really. This is how we praise God in this moment, is to count your blessings, to forget not all his benefits. I thought of this just over a matter of moments, and I thought, you know, I made several new friends in the Costco line because, you know, the line was so long, it wove back and forth, so you would see people several times. And you could ask them how they were doing, and you met people, and you had common friends, and you laughed about your situation. Um, I got to watch a tar, uh, the Disney Tarzan movie with my son and my wife yesterday. Never on my radar. It was great. I cried through it. The music was wonderful. What a blessing. Our family's playing games together that we rarely seem to have time for. And I have, of course, now hundreds of new photos of my grandson that I've added to my collection But far more seriously, my blessing is that my eternity is absolutely secured. And God is eternally present today in this moment that he knows well about in our world. You know, an odd benefit that we've noticed too is that we estimate that people are tuning in. There's an opportunity for once again, for matters of faith to speak into these moments where sometimes science and news and economics seems to ring a little bit shallow and hollow, um, where we can talk about the things that matter most of all, a person's value and how God has revealed that, the community he's called us to be in, the measures of grace that we're able to show, so that we have two to three times as many people as normally would be in attendance actually viewing what we're sharing, we count that among our blessings unforeseen as well. So how do you praise God in this moment? Truly, stop and count your blessings. Third thing is this. So one of the comments we've had, so he heals and restores. Let's go ahead and fill in that blank. He heals and he restores us. You know, one of the conversations we've had was, has been about communion, which we are longing to have. Um, but we're not willing to have it with just a few of us. That's not how God has designed it. We're not willing to uh, be able to care for people appropriately while we do it. But at the same time, we're also not willing to imagine that somehow we are not truly and fully forgiven unless we have the Lord's Supper. It seems that that almost can be the implication among some conversations I'm having with people. That if we don't have the Lord's Supper, it's almost as if the words of absolution, which you will hear in just a few minutes from Pastor Von Bush, are not enough. That God's word of grace 
and his proclamation is somehow insufficient. And so that speaks to this third point. Go ahead and fill that back in again. He heals and restores. Who forgives how many of your sins? Who forgives some of your sins? That's what it says, right? He forgives the ones you feel really bad about. The other ones you don't feel so bad about, he doesn't care. He forgives all of your sins, and he heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. So what a blessed opportunity this is to know that even if we were sequestered and there was no technology and there was no way to be able to communicate with you in this way to our congregation, to those that are listening, even if we could not do that, to simply, even if you did not have a Bible in your possession and your phones didn't work and the internet was down, that you could, in your mind, recall the very promises of God that he forgives our sins as a father has compassion on his children, so he has had compassion on you. How God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Would any of us dare even hint that those words are not enough, that they are somehow insufficient, that our God did not bring all his grace with every promise of the grace which he has. And so he has not forgiven some of our sins or some of our diseases and healed them, but not some, but all of our sins and our diseases are healed. And God is well aware of this enemy that attacks us. Far different from a COVID-19 virus is the fear, the anxiety, the distrust, the selfishness. Those are the sins and diseases which God is healing with his promise as God himself waded into an infected world, infected by sin and darkness and brought light and life and victory. No enemy could defeat Christ and he lives and reigns and therefore as Christ lives in us, no enemy can defeat you. But wait, number four. There's more. Those of you that know me here as your pastor at Grace, you know I've used this point many, many times from late night TV when it's Flex Seal or it's Ronco products or it's My Pillow or who knows whatever it is. It's, well, you can buy this great product. And then as you get to the end, you're thinking, oh, it might be all right. Then they go, but wait, if you buy this, we'll throw in two more at half price or a third one for free. Or if you do that and send it in right now and just pay shipping and handling, you can get a free set of Ginza knives or whatever it is. You can have all kinds of things because there's more than just this offer available. You know, last week, Jim did a beautiful job in talking about how God takes us from being in the pit. God takes us from being where we're at a loss, we're hurting, we're broken, and he reconciles us. He brings us back to this spot. And what a blessing that the psalmist says that point and more. Who crowns you? Who names you an heir, a child of the king, kings and queens? Those who are are beloved by God, who gives you a crown of love and compassion, who satisfies not your needs, but your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. He doesn't just make you a healthy old guy. He actually brings back your youth and lifts you up with his divine and godly and loving breath and embrace. In not many days, we're going to be doing our very, very best 
to try to bring you some of the most powerful worship experiences of the entire year. Many of you know this when you come to worship on Good Friday. A tenebrae service, a service of darkness. We're going to do our very best to try to bring the solemnity and the somberness, the sense of loss and sacrifice and love that Christ has promised to us and lives out as he is crucified for our sins, who becomes sin on our behalf. It's going to be tricky because we won't be together here in this place. But you know, in the darkness of that Friday, we have a wonderful disadvantage. We have the advantage of knowing that it doesn't end there. But on that first Good Friday, imagine for a moment, close your eyes and imagine the women, the disciples, because on the darkness of that Good Friday, as at high noon, it turned dark and the earthquake came and the curtain was torn and dead people got out of their graves and walked around and Jesus Christ died and the Godhead was disjointed. In the midst of that darkness and that sorrow and that wailing and grieving, who could see Easter coming? I'm convinced that there are people today in New York City and in Seattle, around the world, in Italy, China, Iran. There are places unheard of yet, and now in India, my heart is aching because I see many people see disaster. And so, Lord, we pray for those who can only see Good Friday because who could see Easter coming? And the answer is, you did. You can see Easter in every one of our Good Fridays, in every bit of the darkness that we endure. You provide the promise and the certainty of a life which cannot be defeated, which Satan cannot steal, and which no circumstance or disease can ever diminish. Because you on Good Friday were already standing at Easter. And so do we, as Christ lives, and Christ lives in us. So your victory, Lord Jesus, is ours. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, what a privilege and blessing it is to be able to worship you and share that with people in many, many places. Lord, bless our congregation. Encourage them in this time in which we are apart, especially those who are feeling isolated and alone. Lord, you were alone, and yet you chose to heal all our sins by being alone, healing all our diseases by being alone. And Lord, in your sacrifice and in your sacrificial love, Lord, you gave all that we might be healed and made whole. And not simply made whole, but even made more, crowned with righteousness, satisfying not just our needs, but our desires, and then also lifting us up on wings like eagles. So, Lord Jesus, undeserved and unearned, we simply bow in humble adoration and praise. And we give you thanks for the constant outpouring of your grace and your love. May we truly be your grateful children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.